instruction and righteousness. Aren't you? Man, don't you guys praise God that we have a hope in Jesus? Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our jobs or our families. Our hope is in Christ alone. It's beautiful. I, I love I love songs that just bring that out, that just make me focus like, you know what, this is about Christ. If you were here Friday night, I was talking about that he is Lord of the battle and, and what that means. And it was just, it, it, it was really encouraging to me. But I mean, as you could see around, there were so many women that were crying and stuff and it was just a powerful word of God. And I just believe the Lord is showing us that he wants to be Lord of all. Today's title, uh, sermon title is Lord of Time. Let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for your grace and mercy for today, God. We don't know what's coming tomorrow, but we're here today. Father, thank you for getting us up and getting us on our feet and bringing us here to the house of God to hear a word from you today, Father God. Give us correction and give us instruction in righteousness, Lord. Thank you for your word that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, give us, make sure we have good soil that we're receiving what you have for us, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. We are continuing in the book of Matthew. If you were, if you missed last week, um, if you didn't get to see it, you can go back, watch that sermon. It was a really great sermon about being yoked with Jesus. And so you have to remember That's what we're coming off of when we come into this, of Jesus talking about taking up his yoke and his burden, and that's where the rest is. So that safety, the security, the rest that we search for is only being yoked with Christ, not in doing our own way and doing our own thing and going our own way, but in following Christ and obeying his word and staying on that narrow path I reject the easy believism theology that just says I can just believe and go my way and do my thing. I, I reject that because I don't believe that scripture shows that at all. Scripture shows that he is Lord of all. And when we're yoked with him, it's easy to follow him. His burden is light and it's easy. So starting in uh, Matthew 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. It says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. The Pharisees saw it. They said, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law? That on the Sabbath, the priests and temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand and they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? And he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? And if he falls into pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out of how much more value then is a man than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand and he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. The Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So here we see Christ being in the cornfields. The disciples are plucking the ears of corn to eat it. The God, uh, the law allowed it in Deuteronomy 23:25. you see this where it says when you come into your neighbor's standing grain you may pluck the heads with your hand but you should not use a sickle on your neighbor's grain 
So the Pharisees were not condemning him for taking another man's corn. That was a lawful thing to do, but for doing it on the Sabbath day, for doing it on a certain day. And we know that Christ came to set us free, not only from the corruption of the Pharisees, but from their unscriptural rules that they justified what they did. Now, if you know anything about the Pharisees or have studied anything about them, they were uh, they distinguished themselves from the Sadduce- from the Sadducees because they not only had a zeal for the law, but they had a zeal for the tradition of men. And they equated their oral traditions equal to the word of God. This is called the Mishnah. In about, uh, it was a compilation of oral laws, rituals, and traditions that, that, that came about. They compiled it in, in, in 200 AD. But before that, it was all oral. It was all this tradition. So the Pharisees, while they had a zeal for the law, they really focused on these oral doctrines that they told the men to keep hold of. And they equated it to keeping the law. Okay? Are you guys seeing this? They abandon that true religion of the heart for an outward behavior modification and ritual. So Jesus then, he denounced them. He said this was like some kind of pseudo-spirituality. It was a complex set of man-made rules and regulations. And it was a crushing, unbearing rule and burden for people. It wasn't the true law of God. It was law plus what I think you should do. This oral traditions, it becomes known to Mishnah. You can look at that. The Mishnah, uh, the Jamara, and the Talmud, there's a combination of these things. And so Christ here is telling them, you, as in Matthew 59, he said, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he says, you're teaching as my law the commandments of men. You're teaching for doctrine that which I have not said. The word doctrine means requirements of religion here, things to be believed and practiced in religion. God only has the right to declare what shall be done in his service. But these held their traditions to be superior to the written word of God. And they taught them as doctrines that were to be binding. So Jesus meets these group of Pharisees, probably um, spies sent from Jerusalem to seek an accusation against Christ. If you remember, they were always sending, trying to find an accusation against him in some way, in some form, against the law, against, against anything that he said. And Jesus, in verse 8 here, he says, he, he says, You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So Christ here uses this title, Son of Man. Now the Jews understood this. It goes all the way back to um, the Garden of Eden where, where Adam, as the original, the first Son of Man, was given authority and dominion over things. So he says, I now am that Messiah that has dominion and authority over all things. So he says, uh, uh, and if you remember back where he said, He had the power to forgive sins. He used this same title. He said, the son of man has power to forgive sins. Why? Because he had authority to do that. He had dominion and authority to do that. So he here is a 30, he's asserting that authority that he says, I'm the Lord of even this Sabbath day. 
So I can say and do whatever I want to do on this day. <laughs> he had the authority. He had the dominion over it. And, and, and really, this authority was his from the beginning. If you look in Daniel, it says, I was watching the night visions, Daniel chapter 7, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory. And he came stop there for a minute. Dominion means authority. So that authority from God the Father was passed on to Christ. So now he says, I have all authority. I have all dominion over people, nations, languages. I have dominion over everything. And it says his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So what he's saying here says, listen, I have dominion and authority over this day. I have a dominion and authority over weeks, months, calendar, day, Time. Said, I have authority over time. uh, Mark chapter 2, Christ says to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So he says again, Listen, this day was not made for me, it was made for you. And I'm Lord over what this day means. I'm Lord over the time of this. I'm Lord over the position of this. I'm Lord over the day of this. I'm Lord over the time of the Sabbath. So let me give you a little bit of lesson here. The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. So if you look, anybody here ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay, great. Okay, we're in a good place. You know, sometimes you say something, people are like, well, it's a Ten Commandment. Okay, okay, back to my story. Anyways, so the Ten Commandments, there was two tablets. On the first tablet was Commandment 1, 2, 3, and 4. On the second one was 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay? The first one was our duties to God. The second one is our duties to man. So these are the Ten Commandments. So the first one is our duties to God. And the second one is our duties to man. So keeping the Sabbath, this commandment is the fourth. So this falls under our moral obligations and duties to God. Not to man, but to God. The situation concerning Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, is one of fulfillment in the New Testament and not one of abandonment. Christ said this himself in Matthew 5:17 when he said, "Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill." Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. This is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work. You, your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your cattle or your strangers within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So he says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What does that mean to keep holy? It means by making it, pronouncing it, observing the day as clean, as pure, consecrated, dedicated, hallowed to the Lord. So while it's for us, 
It's also unto him. The Sabbath is God's provision to weary men. And the kingdom of heaven, whose royal law is love, has no interest in its abolition. Just as the, just as one of the commandments says, you shall not murder, this is a moral commandment. How many of y'all know that God said, do not murder, that commandment still stands? <laughs> because it's a moral commandment. The Ten Commandments are moral commandments. And, and, and so when I say, obey your mother and father, children, for this is right in the Lord, that's a Ten Commandment. That's unto the Lord. These things are moral commandments. When, when, when he says, do not sleep with someone who's not your spouse, do not commit adultery, these are moral commandments. But what Christ did, he said, now I'm going to write these laws on your heart because I want them to operate from a position of love. Therefore, when Christ said, do not murder, he said, now I'm going to, now I'm going to affect your heart with this. I don't want you just to not go and kill someone. I want you not to hate them. First John 13, uh, 3, 15 says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So what Christ did then is that he actually uh, made made the New Testament a a it is it is more binding because now he said I'm going to write it on your heart and and so now you don't you don't murder someone because you actually care for them because that's written on your heart that says well I I love you I can't hate you I love you I I, I can't covet what you have because I love you that that's the royal law of love is that every, all of the commandments have a spiritual principle of love from my heart. Amen. If you've been following us on Wednesday night, we talk about that, God writing his laws on our heart. Uh, we are in the book of Mo, uh, uh, Romans currently, and so go listen to those. All these commands are governed by our first, our love for the Lord, and second, our love for others. So I say love is the royal law of the commandments. They're still moral laws. They're still in effect. They've not been abolished. They've not been done away with. They have a spiritual principle. But Christ even went further. He said, I'm going to make a way then for you not to just kill someone, but to actually not hate them. I'm going to make a way for this. So the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he says, I, I am Lord of the Sabbath. In what sense is he the son of man, Lord of the Sabbath? Not to abolish it. Certainly not. It's a moral law by nature. Moral laws are absolute. They cannot be abolished. And if he said it was instituted for man, then how is he Lord of the Sabbath? Well, he owns it. He interprets it. He presides over it. He ennobles it. He merges it into the Lord's day. This is within Christ's authority to do so. 
I just told you that he had authority from the Father. He has authority over days and months and weeks and years. So he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, so I'm going to tell you now what I want you to do with it. In Revelation 1.10, says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. The Apostle John was sitting was here when he was on the... Um, he was on the Isle of Patmos, and, and he was exiled to this island, and he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day, then, uh, I'm going to get into this. We're going to see what the Lord's day is in Joshua 5.12. Go all the way back to um, the Old Testament. Do you have that? Joshua 5.12. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So pay attention here. On the 14th day was the Passover. On the 15th, Israel ate of the produce of the land. From that day, the manna fell no more. On the 16th day of the first month of the year of their entering the land of Canaan, it was not found. On the 16th day of the second month of the first year of Exodus, it first appeared. 39 years and 11 months it fell except on Sabbath. So for 39 years, the manna kept the Sabbath all through the wilderness. On the seventh day of the week, it ceased. And on the very day afterwards, marked by our Lord's resurrection, which became the Lord's day. The coincidence is too remarkable to be overlooked. It is the risen Christ who takes the place of the manna rising on the first day of the week. The first day of the week is Sunday. What's interesting, I was talking to this about Amanda Mott afterwards, and she's like, you know, what's really interesting about that is that he could have risen on the Sabbath, but he didn't. He rose on the day after, making that the Lord's day. And we see this in the New Testament the first day of the week being the Lord's day, Mark 16, 9, he rose on the first day of the week. John 21 and 2, the, uh, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene runs to the tomb. Acts 27, on the first day of the week, they gathered together to hear Paul preach. Now that was the night that Paul was preaching late into midnight and he fell off of the third floor, if you remember that. Or a young man fell off the third floor and Paul went and raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians 16.2, now concerning the collection for the saints as I direct the church of Galatia, so do you on the first day of every week, each of you put aside and save as he may prosper. So we see then that the, the New Testament church began meeting on the first day of the week. It was the Lord's day, John says. It's the Lord's day. They began meeting on the first day of the week. And I talk about authority Christ said, all authority was given to me, and Christ delegated his authorities to his disciples. So when, when we read through the New Testament, we don't, we don't see in the Gospels where Christ says, I want you to meet on the first day of the week. It doesn't say that. But the whole New Testament displays a people that met on the first day of the week. That was the Lord's day. Where did they have the authority to do that? From Christ. And, and the problem with Americans is that in general, Americans are rebellious. 
Any, anybody here say, I've never been rebellious. All authority was given to Jesus and he delegated his authority to his disciples. You know, and, and unless you were in the military, a lot of military guys, they understand authority, but they operate under authority. Um, uh, Pastor Jay is in a, a fire department. He operates under authority. So if someone above him says something, he doesn't have to hear that the chief of all, I don't know who he is, but anyways, the chief of all chiefs said something to him, right? He says the guy above me said something and he's getting his authority from the big guy. So when the apostles began forming the church, the church was birthed out of Christ. The apostles began forming the church. You see that they began meeting on a certain day. They began raising up local churches. They began placing pastors over them. And people say, well, you know, well, Christ didn't do that. No, Christ delegated his authority to do that. And we've been meeting for 2000 years. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. When I uh, worked as, um, worked as, when I worked at a tanning salon, uh, I was I was going to school and I was working at a tanning salon. You know, I always have to say that because I just feel like such a bum when I say I was working at a tanning salon. I was finishing up my college degree while I was going, I was working at a tanning salon. That's where I met Matt. A lot of y'all know that's where I met Matt. And... Um, <laughs> At this point in my life, my grandmother had died. She had left me some money. And so my boss wanted to open another tanning salon. And he said, hey, um, you want to go in with me and we'll, we'll own these together and work it together. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. I want to be, I want to be a part of that. And he said, well, I'm going to make you a manager over the salons. And, and I said, okay. And he goes, so your first, your first job as a manager is to fire this person. <laughs> Probably just maybe manager because he didn't want to have to do it. So I tried to, I tried to get with this young girl. It was a young girl, bless her heart. I tried to get with her and she didn't want to meet with me. And so finally I just had to call her up and I said, Hey, I said, I hate to tell you this. You probably know what's going on, but I got to let you go. And she was like, well, I don't have to listen to you. I'm going to call, I'm going to call Tim. He was the boss. I said, well, you can call Tim, but I'm on his authority. We, we, uh, authority is delegated. And we don't realize that. So when, when somebody tells you to do something, maybe, maybe Pastor Matt has said, I want the, the chairs a certain way. And so people come in. Back in the day, it was a big deal, okay? So just, <laughs> just go with me. <laughs> back in the day, it was a real big deal, okay? And Pastor Matt would say, I want the chairs a certain way. So we would stack the chairs a certain way. And someone else comes in and they're like, why are you doing that? Well, because Pastor Matt wants that. He was the authority. We were under his authority. I'm standing here under Pastor Matt's authority. Pastor Jay's under Pastor Matt's authority. He is the pastor of the church. We operate under his authority. So I don't preach something. I don't do something that he doesn't want me to do because I'm under his authority. Not just as his wife, but in the church. Because authority is delegated. So when I'm speaking to you, I am speaking as if Pastor Matt was here. I'm under his authority. So when we see then the apostles forming the church, doing things the way that they did, and there's not a diagram in here that says do it this way. There is in some things, when you look at the, the, the requirements for a pastor or for a deacon, there's certain requirements for that. But 
They went and they established churches and they set up local pastors over their churches. And then they had elders and they had deacons and they began forming this church. And they did that everywhere they went. And you look at Paul's life and Paul had some authority over churches. But when he went to Jerusalem, Paul was under James's authority. Why? Because James was the bishop over Jerusalem. And so when Paul went there, he was under his authority. So when we look at these things, when we look at the authority of the apostles, they were under Jesus's authority. They met on the first day of week, Monday, or uh, Sunday, sorry. I'm an American mindset. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? There's a spiritual principle for keeping the Lord's day. God instituted a day of rest that's to be set apart and be holy. That's the thing I think people don't realize is that there's a day that's not just a day of rest, but it's it's set apart and holy unto the Lord. It's to be set apart. It's to be holy for him. Now, for the Jews, the Sabbath was Friday evening to Saturday evening. We know this. If you're on Facebook, all the Hebrew Roots Movement people will be telling you about that. You guys are not doing this. And the Seventh-day Adventists, you're not keeping the Sabbath, all that sort of stuff. They will be telling you these things, okay? So beware of those, beware of those people on Facebook. That's for some of you. Maybe you're posting it. But after the resurrection, we see that Christ rose on the first day of week and the apostles deemed this the Lord's day and they began meeting on this day. This was a sure sign that Christ was Messiah, that he was not only Lord over sin and death, but he was Lord over time. He was Lord over time. And there's a principle of every one in seven one in seven in, uh, of our days that's to be set aside to honor the Lord and make that day holy. In Colossians 2.16, and a lot of the people will use this, say, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Now, this word Sabbath here is in the plural, and it refers to festivals and holy days, not the Sabbath. That's what it refers to. So don't let people say, well, you can't tell me I need to be in church or you can't tell me I can't do that. You can't, you know, that's just rebellion. There's no evidence from this passage that Paul would teach there was no obligation to observe any holy time. That's not true. For there's not the slightest reason to believe that he meant to teach that one of the Ten Commandments had ceased to be binding on mankind. If he had used the word in the singular the Sabbath, it would then have been clear that he meant to teach that the commandment had ceased to be binding and that the Sabbath was no longer to be observed. But the use of the term in the plural and the connection shows that he was talking about uh, festivals and holy days that the Hebrews observed for ceremonial purposes. He was not referring to the moral law, the Ten Commandments. These commandments are from nature, moral law, they are perpetual and of universal obligation. God is not done away with the spiritual principles behind the moral commandments. Can we, can we at least agree that you can't murder anybody anymore? So how did, 
How did murder become then the only Ten Commandment I'm supposed to follow? I want you to think about this. Israel came under judgment for not keeping the Sabbath a holy day. It's found in Ezekiel 20:13, Ezekiel 20:16, Ezekiel 20:21, Ezekiel 20:24, Ezekiel 23:38. And that's just a small portion in Ezekiel. Where he said, my, my children rebel against me. They don't walk in my statutes. They're not careful to observe my ordinances. They profane my Sabbath. There is a spiritual principle in keeping the Sabbath. Just as there is a certain time that if you go without food or water, you will die. You can only live, um, they, they say, you know, from 8 to 21 days without food or water. I think in some cases, depending on where you're at, you can only live like three days without water. The sun rises, the sun sets at a particular time. God is a God of order and he's a God of time. Therefore, Jesus is Lord of time. So there's a certain time then that our body was created to worship God and set apart and rest and be refreshed. That's what the Sabbath was for. It was a day of, of rest, of refreshing in the Lord, of setting apart the day to honor God. So there's a spiritual principle in that, that that should be done one in every seven days. We are not Jews, so we don't observe the Sabbath the same way they do. Remember, he was Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord over time. Sabbath just means rest or to cease. It just happened to fall upon that day for the Jews, how they always maintain that day, and actually became really religious to maintain that day. But then they weren't even keeping it right. And we have a mandate, one in seven, to set apart as holy unto the Lord. A friend of mine, Dr. Baird, and he's a, he is a Greek scholar. Um, he's a retired pastor, and now he ministers to um, a bunch of networks of pastors. And he always says this. He says, the church has a mission and a mandate. So our mission is found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So our mission is to go and make disciples, go and teach and evangelize. This is mission. Our mandate is a command from our authority. And who's the authority over the church? Jesus, not the government. Hello? The government doesn't mandate the church. Christ mandates the church. That means Christ is, governs the church. He has dominion over the church. That's why we do things in here differently than they do it out there. Because he governs the church. So he tells us what we need to be doing and what we don't need to be doing. What we need to pay attention to, what we don't need to pay pay attention to. He is the governor over the church, not man. So our mandate then is Hebrews 10, 25 through 26. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together 
as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now I want to break this down for you in the, in the Greek, because I have studied it in the Greek. This gathering, this assembling is a public assembly. That's what it means in the Greek. It's a public assembly. It's not your little groups. While these things are fantastic. So he's saying, he's saying the public assembly. It's in reference to the synagogue. And then verse 26 is directly related to verse 25. For he says, if we sin, if we continue to sin willfully after receiving this knowledge, there remains no longer sacrifice for sin. So that means... Listen, I'm telling you, you're gonna, you're, 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 this will ring in your ears. So according to the Greek, it, it, it can only mean one of two things. If we sin willfully from forsaking the gathering, or that we forsake the gathering, we fall into sin. It can only mean one of those two things. And there's a good case for both. So he says... Pay attention. And, and when, when you know the context of scripture, folks, this was written to the Hebrews. These were scattered believers under intense persecution and affliction from the Roman government. So he's not using this lightly. He's not telling them lightly. He's not taking this of like, hey, man, quit, you know, quit your fishing. Quit your doing this. No, he says they're, they are scattered. They're under persecution. They're under affliction. And he says, listen. Get together with the church. And why is this our mandate? Because when we gather, we worship, we pray for one another, we encourage one another, we love one another, we serve one another, receive the word of God. We are refined, we are corrected, we are refreshed, restored, and we are built up in order to go out and do our mission. Um, I, I recently just heard from my friend that's a, a pastor in China, and he's been there for about 20, 25 years now. He actually went to um, college for um, to learn Mandarin for six years because he lives over there. Him and his family live over there, and he has a bunch of underground churches. And um, he, he just let us know that three of his pastors are uh, uh, in prison for this, for coming to get, for assembling. And they, they had a $5,000 fine. Each one had a $5,000 fine and had to serve a year in, in jail. And their year is, their year is up, and two, they had money for two of them. The third one doesn't have the money, and the other two said, um, oh, I'll start crying again. So we're not, we won't go unless we're all free. They said, we're not going to go unless we're all free. So until all of us get out, none of us are going to get out. And we asked him... Uh, past this pastor, we said, how, how do we, how can we give money to them? How can we get this man out of prison? How can we do this? And he said, I don't want you guys to do that. I want the other churches to recognize their need to help this pastor. Oh, 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 oh. stab in the heart. Folks, while my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is an important principle. 
We're, we're not supposed to do this alone. We're not, we're, there's no way. We have to work together. And we come together as our mandate to get built up, to get refreshed, to get right on that Sabbath, that rest and refreshing of the Lord that washes over us so we can get built out, so we can go out and do our mission. Amen. And if he is your Lord, why is he not Lord of your time? Because if he is Lord of days, and he's Lord, of, he's Lord of months, he's Lord of seasons, he's Lord of years. We, we see that he has dominion over all things. But folks, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Amen. And if he's not Lord of your time, he's not Lord at all. Is he, he, he is Lord of time, is he Lord of your time? And there's a principle of the royal law of love. Because here you can, listen to me please, you can be religious about coming to church and you miss the mark. You can fall into the whole thing. The South are very good at this. Got to be in church, got to be in church, got to be in church. They miss the mark. Right? Every principle has to do with love. You can also say you love him and you continually don't come and you miss the mark. Yeah. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. First John five, three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So why is it a burden then to come and give honor to him on one day? Why is it a burden to come and be refreshed by the Lord? Right? Because not just honoring him It's being refreshed by him. It's taking this time to rest in his presence, to be refreshed, to be built up, to, to, to receive everything he has for me so I can go out into that world that hates me. I love him. One day out of seven, he asks us to come and rest in him and honor him with our time. And here's what I believe I believe that if more people honor the Lord's day in the Lord's house by remembering it and keeping it holy, we would see a greater move of God. I believe we would see more healings. We would see more miracles. We would see more salvations. We would see more deliverances. And some of you are not experiencing that victory because you refuse to honor the Lord in his house. Some are weary and tired Because you're not taking that one day in seven to be refreshed and be renewed. Folks, we honor him with our time because we love him. We love him. I honor him because I love him. We honor God in his commands because we love him. And then he honors us and he gives us this day of rest. Now one day, folks, and Hebrews 4 says this, that, that, he, that Christ became that rest. One day we will fully enter into the rest of God. That's what that means. One day. Man, who what a day. I will fully enter into the rest of God for eternity. No more. I mean, uh, no more. I don't have to fight against my flesh. What a beautiful day that'll be. What a beautiful day that will be. But 
But for now, we have this beautiful day that just we can come together. We can be refreshed and we can be built up. And, and it's not about, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or ashamed because maybe you have to work on this day. I'm telling you, set aside this time. Amen. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you to be built up. It's for you to be encouraged. It's for you to be refreshed. It's for you to be restored. God is making himself a holy, set apart, and separated people. And when we gather and worship, we display to an unbelieving world, there is an almighty God. And he is worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all my time, my worship, and my devotion. The reason, there's a reason the church is called a sanctuary. And it, dis, it, it displays to a lost generation that God is in this place and we are different. We are, we are different. We do things differently. We're not, we're not like the world. We're peculiar. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I want to reread what I said at the beginning. Jesus was just finished talking about taking up his yoke and his burden and you will find rest for your souls. The safety, security, and rest that we search for is only being yoked with Christ, following his ways, obeying his word, staying on that narrow path of affliction. It's not always fun or easy but it's the blessed path. Amen. I had a friend that says, the, 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 the high road is the difficult road. And sometimes it gets difficult to breathe on the high road. If you've been hiking in high places, the air gets thin. So it gets difficult to breathe in those high places, but it's the only road that we should ever want to be on. Amen. It's the only road we should ever want to go down. Uh, Angie, will you play? I just want to give you a moment to respond to the message. I want to read. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I want to read you Romans chapter 10. Righteous of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will send into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. The earliest confession of faith was Jesus is Lord. And the reason it was, when you look through the New Testament, Jesus is called our Savior 16 times. Do you know how many times he's called our Lord? Over 450 That's a huge discrepancy there. We can't make him our savior without making him the Lord of our life. 
And so the first confession of Jesus as Lord was in opposition to the Roman government that said, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is our Lord and the government is our Lord. Our job is our Lord and this is our Lord. Our time is our time. He said, if you confess Jesus is Lord and to confess is not just with your mouth, it's with your actions. It's saying, my life displays a life that he is in control of me. That he is my authority. That I do what he wants me to do. I go where he wants me to go. That he is the Lord of the battle and he's the Lord of time. It means that Jesus has all authority over my life, my heart, my mind, my days, my everything. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, for one thing, you, you, you won't see heaven. And I know that's hard for people to hear and they don't like to believe it. They think that all, all, all good, good people go to heaven. There's none good. We don't all go to heaven. It is only by the precious blood of the Lamb that we can enter into that holy place. We have to have the blood of Christ applied to our lives. And how do you do that? You just turn from your sin and say, Lord, forgive me a sinner and he will wash you whiter than snow. Say, Lord, I'm I'm done living for myself. I want to live for you. And I proclaim today, Jesus is Lord. And maybe the second thing I want to ask of you today is maybe he's not been Lord of everything in your life. Just confess that to him. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've not given you everything. I've kept things back for myself. I've wanted things my way. I've done things my way, Lord. I surrender to your lordship today. Don't let this moment pass. Don't let this time go. Sometimes those windows of opportunity are only open for a short amount of time. The days are short. Receive Christ as Lord. Receive his salvation today. Receive forgiveness of sins and be made new. Then you say, what do I do? Come to church, read your Bible. We'll reach out to you. We'll love on you. We'll show you the way. We'll help get you discipled. Father, I thank you for this word today, God. Thank you that you are Lord of our time. Lord, and and we proclaim, God, you are Lord over my life. You are Lord over everything. We thank you for all you do for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this day. I'm going to give you all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, remember to sign up for the women's retreat. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.